Hey everyone, this is Kim and Mark Holinsky. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to United, a Holinsky's Hope powered podcast focusing on student athletes. We really wish we could be in a room with our student athletes talking about their mental health and how important it is to their happiness and performance in their sport. Since we can't do that right now with COVID-19, we are keeping true to our mission, working to raise awareness and ending the stigma attached to mental illness. And so, we're embarking on a way we can still bring you our message of hope and support, a podcast dedicated to student-athletes and their mental wellness. We've teamed up with some incredible mental health experts across the country and are honored to have Dr. Josie Nicholson, sports psychologist at Ole Miss, host these podcasts for us. Dr. Nicholson will be using her passion for student-athlete mental health as a foundation driving the conversations that will be featured in these United podcasts. Please follow Holinsky's Hope on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can contact us via email at info at holinskyshope.org. Always for Tyler. And forever to three. United Conversations for Student-Athletes. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Josie Nicholson. This podcast is meant to be a mental health resource for student-athletes, particularly in this time that seems so chaotic with the global pandemic and so much social unrest and just general uncertainty around what the future is going to look like. Today, I am so Glad that we have Dr. Derek Vigon, coordinator of sports psychology and sports psychologist at George Mason University. Obviously, there is a lot of conversation around the mental health impact of the Black Lives Matter movement and all that has happened in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. One of the things that I have been having a lot of conversations around is how to be a better ally, because I think there's so many of us that want to support and do everything that we can to help facilitate the really profoundly needed changes that we're starting to see some movement on in this country. So uh, Derek and I are going to be talking about ways to be a better ally and ways to also uh, receive the support. So I am excited to get going with today's conversation. Hey, Derek, welcome to the United Podcast. Hi, Josie. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super pumped to be on today. Absolutely. Well, I'm super pumped to have you. So uh, we're starting from a good place. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Derek, how have the past few months uh been for you. Not that anything has gone on special in the past few months, but. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, So yeah, the past few months, this pandemic, it's been incredibly difficult. Uh, I think we've been, I mean, I know that I have been constantly trying to find ways to get creative and to be flexible with this regularly changing information that we're receiving. And I know at least in, in my athletic department at George Mason, you know, we're talking about ways to continually pivot and adapt. Right. Um, you know, I, I also got married, so that's cool. Oh, and uh, kind of notable. Yeah. And 
you know, uh, but kind of thinking about what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and the, I think it's so important that we address kind of the increases in mental health um, symptoms that people are experiencing and also really speak to, you know, acknowledging our continued support of communities of color uh, right now and going forward. Right. Well, and all that is, is uh, a pretty big deal. And, um, but definitely congratulations on your marriage. That's, that's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Different than the original plans. Uh, they were, they were impacted, but, uh, you know, we're shifting and pivoting and moving forward. It's the name of the game right now. I think, you know, everybody, everybody is. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to like, how has like the Black Lives Matter, um, movement impacted you and as well as like the athletes that you work with? Sure, sure. I think that that's a great question, Josie. You know, for me as a white cisgender heterosexual male, uh, it's been a really emotional and eye-opening experience. Um, And I'm doing my best to really understand the deep, deep deep-rooted pain that communities of color are feeling and have been feeling for 400 plus years in this country. And I've been doing my best to listen and to look at past mistakes and to really try to have difficult conversations uh, with colleagues, with white colleagues, with some of the teams that I've worked with, with a wide range of folks. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think one of the biggest things that's important to acknowledge is that, you know, white privilege allows you to not see things. And I think because of the timing of the pandemic and the shutdown of everything, there's been, you know, a number of incidents, but specifically with George Floyd, you know, here is this man's death right in our TV, right in our living room, you know, given the slowdown of everything. And, you know, the, the white community really can't ignore this any longer, right? I think it's about being an anti-racist and trying to be intentional about that uh, every day. You know, as you said that, Derek, I'm just aware of something that um, that really occurred to me right then. So there are people that are ignoring it. And there are people that say, you know, white privilege is a myth or like not true or, you know, to be honest, I'm really glad that I don't know exactly what they're saying, but they, but they aren't on board. Right. And, um, and then I also have gotten some really interesting uh, messages through Facebook Messenger and stuff about the COVID-19 myth that was created by the government to put us all on house arrest or to, you know, subversive. And to be honest, again, I don't really know um, what the argument is because I want to spend my time and energy elsewhere in keeping myself uh, and my family and uh, those that I would say. But it's really interesting. I just, I, To me, it's hard to understand when people don't want to see that and they don't, you know, but it, it kind of. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying, Josie. And I think what what's going on is, you know, is staying silent, right? I think yeah. staying silent is is white privilege, right? right. And I think it's we and we need to shift to this kind of seeing racism as a problem and attacking it, right? Yeah. And I'll get into that a little bit later, but um, you know, I want to make sure that I answered the the first part of the question that you asked in terms of how it's impacting the athletes that I work with. 
I am like continually amazed by our student athletes response to uh, different adversity and issues going on in the world right now. You know, as I mentioned, I've had several team discussions, um, all with an attempt to really give our student athletes a voice, let them be heard, but at the end of the day, remind them how valuable they are and that their beliefs are. And that like with the rise in mental health symptoms, it really is okay to not be okay right now. Right. Um, so I think it's so important that we are reinforcing that message. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to imagine being okay in the way that we think. And and I think in order to be, uh, you'd have to be immune to it by ignoring it, you know? Right. And that's just right. not an option. Right. It's not an option. Right. Yeah. Like I am so proud of our men's basketball team who they decided this was not inspired by the coaching staff. They they decided to put together their own Black Lives Matter video. And actually, just before this um, podcast call today, um, I was with the entire basketball coaching staff attending an anti-racist workshop. So we really are trying to make ch- make changes, uh, you know, as best we can, and, and acknowledge some of the injustices that are going on in our kind of pretty ugly history. But at the same time. Um, trying to be proactive in the ways that we're addressing this. Right. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things I'm so glad that we can talk about um, being an ally and what that means because, you know, that is so important. Um, I saw an Instagram post by Ryan Holinsky the other day, and uh, he was wearing a shirt that says, matter is the minimum. Mm. And that Mm. was really powerful to me. And, to see him, um, you know, he wear that shirt so well. And I was like, oh, where'd he get that shirt? I want it. But what does it mean to be an ally and how can we do that? Because wearing a t-shirt or uh, is, is great. It's a good start. But how can we be an ally in this? Because it feels overwhelming. Right, right. And I think, you know, you're bringing up an interesting point that wearing a shirt is not enough. It's not, it's, it's a multimodal or a multi kind of prong approach. And I'm thinking about that. Well, first, like getting an accurate history of our country and starting with education, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Really understanding and and how, how we got to this point, right? I think it's by listening, by reading, by donating to different groups that, uh, uh, you know, support some of these uh, initiatives, by marching, by planning, by being being an advocate and an ally means making a commitment to do the work, right? Right. right. Um, and so, and 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 really acknowledging kind of different white supremacy structures within our existing systems and doing our best to make changes, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's. I want to talk about two concepts that I think. Um, play into this and and it's the the idea of I was listening to uh Brene Brown we mention her all the time on this mm-hmm. uh, she's amazing yes um maybe we could have her on but <laughs> um she was talking about the difference between feeling ashamed and feeling guilt and um how you can think something is shameful and but you know the feeling of shame prohibits you from thinking you can be different because it's about who you are. Right. So when, um, people, you, me, 
you know, whoever, particularly people who are not black, think about um, how long we've sat in our silence, how long we have, um, you know, enjoyed our privilege and not, uh, you know, worked for change or, or even some of the micro and macro aggressions that uh, we recognize personally, there can be a sense of shame and being able to transform that to action um, is, is an interesting um, obstacle to overcome. And, mm-hmm. and also the idea of survivor's guilt. You know? I didn't hear the last part that you said, sorry. Um, oh, I, also the idea around survival's guilt, survivor's guilt you know, like uh-huh, a, uh-huh. when somebody that you care about or, um, you know, somebody uh, gets burned in a fire, but you got out unscathed, uh, there is a tremendous amount of trauma and that guilt of being mm-hmm. a survivor that it didn't happen to you. And I think that's something that a lot of people are struggling with right now. Right, right. I, I You know, I think that's a really important point. And really, there's no kind of clean way to do this work, right? We're going to get dirty. It's going to get messy. You know, white people will have their feelings hurt. Um, you know, and, and, but, but I agree that so much that, that when shame is, um, experienced in such a way or is kind of presented in such a way that feeling shame is so negative, I think it it does inhibit the work being done. No doubt. Mm -hmm. And guilt is appropriate. Yes. You know, and it also does not have to be related to something you have done personally. Right. Um, Right. But I think that is an important piece of allyship is to recognize where you are and be able to own mistakes, being able to own um, just the simplicity that. Right that we we've all had in our privilege, you know? Right. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, and so I think that is some of the work as well. I was listening to a, a pre the previous podcast with Dr. Pitzinger uh, on shifting our mindset. I I really think that that is relevant now too, in beyond just the sports realm of needing to shift our mindset to focus on empathy Mm -hmm. and, you know, that we are in this together, but we really need to attempt to value another person's lived experience and, you know, the, the pain that might be present in that, um, and acknowledging, you know, that we need more peaceful protests, right. That we need to be supportive of folks, you know, being heard. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it, there's so much here. For sure. I think that, um, and it's not, as common, but I have heard it once or twice where, um, you know, some athletes uh, recognize times where they have um, committed micro macro aggression or have, have um, made statements that have been racist or whatever it is that they're feeling um, guilt and sometimes shame around. Um, and they, they say, well, I can't, I've done this, so I can't stand up there and protest or um, make a statement because everybody will look at me and say, what a hypocrite, because they remember this thing, right? Or they know that I did this. Um, And it makes me think of, um, have you seen the Beastie Boys documentary on Apple TV? Uh, It is on my list. I have not seen it yet, but it is on my list. 
solid programming. Um, and this was, you know, I, I feel like I should explain to listeners who the, the Beastie Boys were, were a rap group back in the 90s and uh, late 80s. And um, one of the, Yao Avignon said, uh, you know, one of the reporters had said, um, something about, oh, he had talked about like needing to respect women. And he said, well, that's rich coming from somebody that in 1988, this is like 20 years later, uh, wrote, uh, this song girls that wasn't very, um, wasn't very respectful. Accurate. Yeah. Respectful. Thank you. And, um, he said, well, I'd rather, and he said, don't you think that's a bit hypocritical? And his response said, well, I'd rather be a hypocrite than somebody that can't change. Mm. So mm. being able to recognize that as we grow, as we age, we need to be able to recognize that we are constantly becoming the person that we want to be. And that is typically somebody better every day. You know, that's right. all right. And so we have right. to be able to own our mistakes as, um, you know, learning tools for becoming different. Right, right. I think you're, you're, you're bringing up such an important point, you know, as we're continually growing and evolving. The thought that I was having, you know, when you were talking about change, um, I'm thinking about even the process in psychotherapy, particularly when looking maybe at past trauma or other circumstances that have been pretty emotionally uh, difficult for somebody. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I... I I think it's this is so relevant to to what's going on right now in the world. Absolutely. So if we talk about there's a lot of different ways um, to protest. There's a lot of different ways to resist. There's a lot of different ways to be an ally. Um, you know, from some very subtle ways. Like I really am hopeful that the action of having conversation around this on my podcast knowing it's never going to be enough i'm going to get some stuff wrong it you cannot say enough on this subject in you know 30 minutes 40 minutes right but it's something so from the small to the larger what are practical ways that um athletes can be an ally in this movement and amplify the black voice and um, contribute to the change? So I think it starts with kind of honesty and being open to reflection Mm -hmm. and being open to feedback. Um, particularly if it's feedback that's inconsistent with maybe what you might be feeling or thinking, or that kind of challenges an existing identity. Um, and then I think, as we said before, it's, really implementing this value of respect and care and love for others, right? For people that, uh, you know, for, for uh, across the various multidimensional aspects of their identity might be different from our own and really valuing that person's feelings, reactions, beliefs, values. Um, and at the same time, opening our eyes to some pretty uh, significant injustice going on right in front of us. For sure. You know, one of the things that I have really tried to make a point to do is um, to check in and ask, particularly um, black clients, but also any, because it affects us all, what has this uh, time of social unrest 
uh, Black Lives Matter movement, um, time since the murder of George Floyd, been like for you? And I think that there are times when I have thought, I'm not looking necessarily, although I need it, I'm not looking to be educated um, on the Black experience because we all need that. Uh, but I genuinely want to understand um, that person's experience. Right, right. And, and uh, Josie, what I think you're getting at is the foundational component of the work that we do is curiosity, mm -hmm. right? Is really um, diving deeper and continuing to scratch the surface and continuing to question and continuing to expand and have discussion about this, right? Like when we can think about it and talk about it, our understanding is only going to get deeper. Right. But it's not curiosity in a voyeuristic way. It's curiosity in, I want to know the person and, right. you know, the I care deeply about you and I'm, and I really want to know, you know, what it is you you think and feel right and and how you how you're responding and reacting to different things going on in your environment i really i realized i just interrupted you there and that was, i so apologize no you're good I, you know that it's um it's so important because um i learn so much from every like understanding experiences that are not my own but i also believe that there's tremendous uh, huge value in being known in sharing your story and um, articulating your experience. So I think that it's a reciprocal win-win when you do that, sure. just a little check-in, like, what is this like for you? What do you think about this? Or, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm biased to think that, you know, we work with some pretty amazing people yeah, from yeah. all over the world, yeah. you know, and it, it, the, at least thinking about George Mason, where I am, where we're, uh, majority minority institution and, you know, s hundreds of countries around the world are represented on our campus. We are regularly having these discussions and, uh, you know, on a, on an administration and staff level, but also at, on a university level. And I think it's so important to be paying attention to, um, the, the wide ranging diversity on our campus, but being able to have and host conversations like this. Absolutely. And I think that paying attention is really vital foundation to allyship right right yeah, yeah. it's probably the quintessential component mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. and it's it's interesting because i think that there are uh there can be a tendency to say you know whatever i do is going to be so insignificant and small that i'm not going to do anything you know right um but it's kind of like a drop in the bucket because we tend to say, ah, uh, you know, I dismiss it because it's a drop in the bucket. But 10,000 drops in a bucket and you got a glass of water to drink, you know? Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's, you know, it's about making those kind of changes to be open to even having this glass of water and then really promoting our student athletes to critically think about what's going on in, in the world and in their lives and how do their different intersecting identities uh, create a response and encouraging them to be um, honest with that response and put that response out there and, you know, because their voices matter so much. Absolutely. So on a practical level, 
Um, what does that actually look like when you're when you're talking with an athlete? Because I know that there's athletes that are like, well, I don't really, I feel so overwhelmed by it. That's one response that I hear a good bit. Um, and so for athletes feeling overwhelmed, how would you walk them through um, feeling less overwhelmed so that they can look at things and look at themselves and look at the world around them? Sure, sure. Well, maybe what I would try to start doing just so that we, you know, we could have a clear, coherent conversation is try to ground them first if they were feeling too overwhelmed to, you know, even be having the discussion. But um, really try to understand the overwhelmed feeling and really pinpoint, is it an anxiety thing? Is it the, you know, a, uh, a gender or identity thing? Is it, um, you know, what whatever it is that's causing you to feel overwhelmed, let's just safely and curiously unpack that, right? And try to get to the bottom of what you might be feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's really good advice. I think, too, that athletes can do this with each other. Right. You know? um, right. And, and those conversations are really valuable because being able to approach another person like a peer uh, their experience with curiosity and learning, um, and then also being open to sharing, uh, trusting that the other person is genuinely curious, um, I think can be so valuable because then you, you don't feel as alone. Absolutely. And I think that, that that's such an important point too. You know, I, I'm thinking about just the programming that we've done over the last year and the program that we're going to continue to do this upcoming year, of course, with some challenges due to uh, probably a hybrid system of online versus in-person campus uh, classes. I think having conversations about mental health and having difficult conversations about race relations in America and other current events as a regular component of the team and performance environment is so important, right? Because then there builds trust, then there builds safety. Um, and when student athletes can feel safe to express themselves uh, across the board in, in whatever way that might look like, um, it's going to create a normalcy around difficult conversations. And I think it's so important that we provide that space for our student athletes. For sure. You know, what, what do you think it's going to be like when athletes come back to campus? So much is going to be online. They, they may have been doing, you know, maybe some protests or having conversations or not talking about it at all. And then mm -hmm. they come back to this, campus yeah i think i mean the uh, adjustment is is the is the main word that's popping up for me i think it's going to be a major adjustment yeah. to this new normal and it's my hope you know we've had some amazing you know uh telehealth conversations uh it's my hope that we can continue those in person right it, it, when we are back and you know we're just continually uh talking right that, that we're not stagnant yeah i think one thing that i'm aware of is those transitions um starting school again we have we really still don't know what it's going to look like actually that's exhausting and it takes a lot of energy so there's a natural tendency to conserve energy um, by, you know, not paying attention, not looking at things that can be overwhelming. Um, and when you don't know what to do, it's like, well, I just can't feel, so I'm going to just focus on 
this, you know? Right, right. And I think, you know, it's also really important to bring up the fact that an adjustment like this is likely going to make mental health stuff come up, right? Like that would be totally normal for there to be an increase in anxiety as a result of navigating this shift back to campus or what does it look like in this new pod in my dorm room or how do I operate and be in the ways that I once, you know, I'm used to these old uh, uh, routines, but, you know, how do I adapt and be flexible? And it would be normal for mental health stuff to come up during times like this. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, you know, seeking support, in your teammates and your friends and also you know the mental health resources around i think becomes very important yes yes absolutely right so communicating with sports medicine staff support staff coaches teammates sports psychologists um a number of folks to help ease this transition and you know um really remind our student athletes how much they mean to us and how valuable they are absolutely you know what's interesting? Um, I have heard several times um, with black athletes, they, you know, when I ask what has this time been like, it comes up, I didn't realize how many allies I had. I didn't realize how much my teammates cared. I didn't realize that this would be a big deal for them. And I think that's a really important um, message that there are, I mean, yes, there's some people out there that don't recognize their privilege, don't want to see the issues, like they don't want to deal with it, they don't want to pay attention. But that is not I, my experience um, in my circle, in my the athletes that I work with, is that they want to know how to support the profoundly needed changes in this country. They want to amplify the black voice. They want to be allies. And sometimes we all need a little bit of help in knowing what that looks like and how we can support better. Right, right. And I think that's a super important part, uh, you know, of teammates being open-minded, of folks making mistakes and doing the work, right, um, of trying to create a larger change within a much bigger system and kind of maybe even running into obstacles and still moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think it's it's such an important message that you bring up. And from the performance psych perspective, when people feel understood, they feel more connected, right? Mm-hmm. And when they feel heard, they feel more connected. You better believe those teams are going to be playing better, right? Like there's no doubt to me that performance excellence will come with a, uh, a, a group that's um, connected. Yes, that is absolutely the case. Yeah. Um, so it's it's important also just when we can be fully known and be fully ourselves, uh, that's when we perform at our most free. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. So so I think that if we were to come up with, like, say, you know, three takeaways, I think one um, one would be to always be open to the probability that your peers, your teammates, your coaches, that people want to support you, whether that's in protesting and sharing your story and your experiences and um, being more of an ally, like whatever that looks like, there is more support than people realize. 
I think it's really natural just to assume, well, this is my deal. They're going to not think it's that big a deal, even though it's a big deal to me. And that's Mm -hmm. not, it's just not the case typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think what, what, you know, what you're getting at in terms of being seen and the power of being, being seen and being heard, what what that has on, on a relationship and, and on a person's identities in terms of how they can maybe even feel more connected to their values or, uh, what they're doing and supporting a movement like this, right? Um, I think listening is 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 so important, right? That's that's the first thing, right? And being respectful and being open, right? Those are some some other takeaways. Um, but also then taking it another level of internally, uh, you know, going internal with it and saying, all right, well, what mistakes have I made in the past? How can I really try hard to not make these mistakes again and to not get too stuck in the shame and the guilt around the mistakes that I've made and acknowledge those, but really be open to feedback. And as we've said earlier in the podcast, working to evolve and grow and change, right? Yeah. Learn. You know, what um, What you said about listening, I think, you know, there's been a couple of people that have asked me, like, I don't even know how to start this conversation. And yes, I've been. I thought about, I wonder, or I'm curious about this person's experience, but I don't know how to bring it up. And I think um, just practically speaking, one of the suggestions that I've had is to go up to that person and say, hey, I'm wondering if it's okay if I ask you about your experience with this or what that was like for you, or um, I'm wondering if it's okay with you if we have a conversation around the social unrest around race relations, like whatever it is that you're sitting with or and curious about, or if you just want to support um, a teammate and don't really know how, like asking if it's okay to have that conversation um, or how comfortable would you be if we had that conversation, that's a great place to start. Right, right. And I think what you're what you're talking about, this invitation, it, it's so it's like gold, right? It yeah. is giving this it's it's setting the stage for what I hope is safety and clear communication and like really, uh, you know, a, a rich experience that that person might be sharing rather than saying, oh, because you are this way and this is your experience. It's now your job to educate me on, you know, what's going on. Right. Like that. That's unbelievably imposing right but most of the times it comes from a place of wanting to support and wanting to understand more because you know i i don't know uh you know what something is like unless i for somebody unless i ask and and if i don't i'm left to make assumptions and that's right never that's um that's how we get into a lot of messes right so Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I think being able to be genuine, to be honest, to say, and, you know, there is actually a possibility that that person may say, you know, I, I really don't feel like getting into it right now, or no, they may just say no. And that is fine because what you- That's have, okay too. Right. Because what you have done is you, sh- you have shown interest and support and that's really, you know, so much, so- it's almost as valuable as any conversation that would happen after is just that showing of support. Right. And I think, you know, and that's what we were talking about too, with teams being able to connect and folks being interested in wanting to help, but not knowing how to help. I think showing support in, in whatever way you can and whatever way that is most meaningful to you 
and shows that you care, right? Absolutely. So I guess the takeaways are to um, be curious and listen, um, show support in whatever ways that um, opportunity allows you to, and then to be open to, um, to that support and to ask for what you need in that. And any other feedback that you might get along the way. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Like be ready to hear, you know, about mistakes that you have made because it's not, I mean, mistakes are made out of ignorance all the time and maybe it was more than ignorance. That's fine too. But just being able to hear that because we're all on a path to growth, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, that, that's another, uh, Brene Brown phrase is I want to get better, not be better. Exactly. And, and, you know, that, that's what this is all about is us getting better. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, Derek, this has been really helpful. There's some very practical, um, tidbits and a lot for people to think about. And, um, I just appreciate you and your willingness to come on and, and have this conversation. Of course, it's been such an honor being on the show. Uh, and Josie, thanks again for uh, for you, being you and all that you do to uh, help advance the field of sports psych. And uh, you know, it's very clear to me how much you care about your student athletes. So uh, it's an honor to be on today. And thanks again for your time. Absolutely. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Again, a big thank you to Dr. Derek Bygon. And also to our producer, Graham Doty. If you're struggling at this time, please reach out to a licensed mental health professional in your area. And we want to hear from you about topics that you want to hear about, so please reach out. Here's at info at voiceofcoach.org. Let us know what would be helpful for you or your fellow athletes to hear about. Share this podcast with anyone you believe would be helped by it. Subscribe to it, rate it, and review it because it helps other athletes find the podcast. If you would like to know more about Holinsky's Hope, including how to donate to help with all that they're doing to support student-athlete mental health and reduce the stigma that surrounds mental illness, please visit www.holinskyshope.org. Please take care of yourself, please take care of others, and always have hope.